I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to take as the text for today those words from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. For you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So as you all know, my practice is to start sermons with a joke. At this point, my faculty colleagues gently roll their eyes and look slightly disapproving. This joke, however, needs to come with a theology warning, health warning, theology warning. The joke that follows has a highly inadequate doctrine of God and should not be taken as an accurate depiction of what God is like. So with that rider, we have God understandably worried about the state of the world. And heavily influenced by insights from lifelong learning, God determines what God needs to do is an ethnographic study of the state of humanity. So an angel is commissioned to go forth, explore, look at, understand humanity, and report back on the balance of virtue and vice. Months pass, finally the angel reappears, turns to God and says, I'm afraid the news is not good. 95% of humanity are misbehaving and just 5% are virtuous. God is shocked by this information. So God decides, as is good practice in the social sciences, to do a further test. A second angel's asked to make a comparable journey. This time, the instruments used are vast. Quantitative and qualitative research are looked at, and uh, focus groups. The finding, however, is the same. The angel reports back and says, yes, 95% of humanity are misbehaving, just 5% are virtuous. God decides that in the modes of divine communication, God needs to add an email to send encouragement to that 5% who are faithful. God works on this email, and the email is finally sent. And what did that email say? Yep, I didn't get it either. <laughs> so to our juniors, a very warm welcome to Virginia Theological Seminary. To our middlers, to our transfer middlers, we have some of those. To our seniors, a warm welcome back to Virginia Theological Seminary. We are starting another year. And of course, as the joke reminds us, most of us are in need of the hand of God to continue to work in our lives. We're always works in progress. The potter needs more time to mold the clay. And speaking personally as your preacher, we're aware that we're not necessarily part of the more virtuous part of humanity. So Paul is working through the various challenges facing the divided community in Corinth. 
he is pleading with that community to live more authentically into the faith. And here he worries about the practice of suing a fellow believer in court and then provides one of his famous vice lists, a list of those embarking on inappropriate behavior, a common practice in Greco-Roman literature. And then he concludes this narrative with this lovely description of a believer's identity. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. It's important for us to remember that in the end, we're not simply a graduate school. The mantra of this place embedded in its mission statement is that we are a place of formation. And therefore, it's appropriate and right that for a seminary community to pause and reflect from time to time on what the redeemed life, what a formed life looks like. So let's us, just for a few moments, do the exercise. A person growing into the likeness of Christ is a person grounded in the divine life. One's entire being is God-infused. One's mind is centered on God. One lives a life of conscious and unconscious prayer, connected with the divine, and as a result, bringing the divine awareness to others. The mind of this person is a mind which lives with a sense of gratitude, marveling every single day at the miracle of consciousness, the capacity to laugh, live and love. Such a mind has some control over one's anxieties. Scripture repeatedly warns us against worry. After all, worry is corrosive of trusting God. Because of the centrality of the divine in one's life, one does not allow one's life to be consumed by worry and anxiety about all those hypotheticals, about all those what-might-be's. Such a mind has some control over one's appetites, whether it's for food or drink or desire for things, clothes, gadgets, whatever, desire for sex. These appetites are appropriately ordered. And if one is aware of an appetite getting out of control, one seeks appropriate help. Such a mind visits the potential prejudices that shape us all. This is a person aware of how we can, without realizing it sometimes, be an agent of racism or homophobia or some other prejudice. This is a person who resists generalizations about all people, whether they're Trump supporters or Republicans or Democrats. Such a mind forgives freely and potentially often. This person does not hold grudges, does not hate, but instead seeks to think the best of others and be a constructive presence at all times. With this ordered interior life, one then lives and operates in the world. 
where people need a presence and love, this person is available. Where there is conflict, this person aspires to bring peace. Where a person is being forgotten or ignored, this person aspires to make that human life visible. Where there is a need that needs to be met, this person gives freely and often to meet that need. Gossip is not part of this human life. Unkindness is not on the agenda. Instead, gentleness and humility are to the fore. Now, just in case you're thinking this person sounds a little boring, let me reassure you this person can laugh, in fact, laugh often. This person can be fun. But the fun in life is not unkind. Their social media presence is careful and gentle and measured and does not contribute to vicious, cruel caricatures of the other. The sketch of the life that is being sanctified, that's being formed into the likeness of Christ, has many more components, but for now, this will suffice. It is a reminder to us all what seminary is about, how we differ from a graduate school. Our vocation, by virtue of baptism, is to be persons that know we're being redeemed, is to be persons where Christ is transforming us so that we can take our place among the ranks of the leadership of the church as persons authentic and capable of leading others to Christ. Now, the preacher is a long way from being this person. So we remind ourselves afresh of the work of the liturgy. In a moment, we will come into the presence of God and pray, and we will finish those prayers with confession. We pause. We recognize how far we are from the persons that God wants us to be, and we seek again the agency of power of God to continue the work of becoming the new creation that God has started. Friends, at the start of this new academic year, this is my plea. Take full advantage of this chapel. Come often. Go perhaps more than once a day. As a result, there'll be numerous times a day for corporate confession. And we all need to really live into the work of confession and repentance and make this our priority. And why? Because we all need to remember, in the words of St. Paul, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Amen.
As we gather here at Virginia Theological Seminary from around the globe, seeking God's reign in this world, let us pray, saying, in the spirit we plead, hear 